Good morning. So I'm Alicia Gutierrez. Um, so my story started about two years ago. Um, me and my husband found out we were expecting our second child. Um, we were very excited, and we already had our son Gabriel, um, so of course we were hoping for a girl. Um, we were super eager to know what we were having, and so we decided to do an early, an early anatomy ultrasound. Um, so we went in, and if you know anything about techs in the medical field, they are not supposed to say anything. Um, unfortunately, ours did not. And she was just like, oh my gosh, there's measurements all over the place. Um, you're going to have to go see a specialist and do all these things. And I'm just like, what is wrong with my baby? Um, and so at the last few minutes before the ultrasound end, she's like, oh, by the way, look, it's a girl. And um, instead of being really excited and just should have been a really happy moment, instead was just completely robbed by fear. Um, we were sent to a specialist and uh, my, our daughter was diagnosed as a IUGR, which is intrauterine growth restriction. Um, it meant she wasn't growing as most normal babies were, but we would not have any idea what was causing that until she was born. So for the next nine months, it was just going on and not knowing what was going on and hoping everything would be okay. Um, because she was an IUGR, I had to go to ultrasounds that started every two weeks, that became every week. I also had to do non-stress tests twice a week on top of just regular OB visits. Um, if at any point she didn't show growth or her Dopplers, which is the blood flow um, from in the umbilical cord was elevated, I would have to be hospitalized to either deliver that day or I would be hospitalized until I delivered. Um, so at this point, we decided to only share with our family, our close friends. We shared with our gospel community. And at the time, I was doing mops here at Creekside um, just so they could pray for us. I made it to 31 weeks uh, when her Dopplers were elevated and I had to be hospitalized. Um, our son was just under two at the time, so that was really hard because I was staying at home with him. Um, luckily that week though I was in the hospital, her Dopplers were normal and they realized I needed bed rest in order to keep everything going for her. Um, so I was able to go home the remainder of my pregnancy and I was only allowed to go out for um, my appointments. Um, at this time, our gospel community and ladies from MOPS were amazing and um, they just rallied around us in prayer. They brought us meals since I could not cook <laughs> for my family. Um, every week we made every appointment, we were able to text and be like, we made it one more week. Um, and we were just praising God for every week we made it closer. At 37 weeks in one day, um, I went in for an NST and my blood pressure was incredibly high that they would not let me go any further. So I had to have an emergency C-section. Um, and we had no idea what to expect when our daughter would arrive because we weren't sure we were going to make it this far. And there were so many things there like, well, we don't know if she'll cry. We don't know if she'll breathe on her own. We just, we, we don't know anything. Um, and so on March 16th, 2018, um, she came and she was perfectly healthy. <laughs> it was just small. <laughs> She was three pounds, six and a half ounces of just pure perfection. She was, 
she had a first cry and she breathed on her own, <laughs> which was just a huge miracle. <laughs> we were just so happy and I was so relieved because this whole pregnancy had been so stressful, just trying to get her here and hoping we'd make it. Um, so this was just the biggest relief. And this, this was my calm between our storms. She had been doing really well. She had to go in the NICU because she was small, but just for growing and feeding purposes. So we shared with our gospel community and we were rejoicing together. We had made it through. And then when she was four days old, she was really pale and fussy. They said she was probably just having an off day. I really struggled with my C-section recovery, so I didn't get to go to the NICU as often as I wanted. I was getting ready to go with my husband when a nurse barged into our room and yelled, you're needed bedside now. Our hearts just completely sank. My husband went running down the hall with the nurse. I was barely walking. When we got in there, unfortunately, it was a scene I wish I could unsee. They were trying to revive our daughter. <sighs> the doctors were trying to talk to us and tell us what was going on, but honestly, I didn't hear a thing they said. I was just trying to see my daughter and figure out what was going on. And I sat there and I just waited for God to show up. I waited for a miracle. I, I had more faith in that moment that God would save her than anything else in my life. I just kept waiting and some time had passed and they told us even if she came back her quality of life would be really poor so we told them it was okay to stop which is probably the hardest thing you ever have to decide as a parent. I remember walking away from that room and just being in shock and thinking why didn't you save her God you could have but you didn't and that's something that I would struggle with. And if I'm honest, there are days I still do. We wouldn't find out for a few days later that they would call us and they did a study on my placenta and they said it was four times smaller than it should have been at full term. It did everything it was supposed to except for grow and they have no idea why. They called it a fluke. But I knew it was God. During this time, our gospel community came alongside us. They prayed for us, um, meals, cards, flowers, just anything we needed, they were there. After this, my relationship with God, I was very angry. And for a long time, it was just silence. I had nothing to say to him. And then that turned into wrestling with him over everything that had happened. But over time, he softened my heart, and he continued to pursue me through his church. I think through our gospel community and my close friends, he used them to pour into me and even just listening to me, um, even though they had nothing to say back to me, but just to listen, to validate my feelings, to pray for me and encourage me. When shortly after our daughter died, 
uh, my husband and I were reading devotional and it said you can allow your grief and the situation to make you or break you. And despite feeling completely broken, I knew I couldn't go on like that. My son still needed his mom and my husband still needed his wife. And I needed her death to mean something. And despite being terrible and not knowing why God did this, I knew I had to allow him to use it because I knew for some reason he did this and he needed to use it, whether it's to help someone else or encourage somebody. Shortly um, after, probably a few months after she passed away, we found out we were expecting again. I was kind of like, what are you thinking, God? I literally just had and lost our daughter. I can't go through that again. This is too, too much. But my husband and I decided we needed to focus on the joy and that God would choose to entrust another child to us. Um, if you've ever gone through a pregnancy after a loss it's really emotional and there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear um you have so much mixed emotions you're sad over grieving the death of your loss but you're also trying to allow yourself to be happy at the same time over this new life so again we we decided not to share or anything with except for close friends and our family and our gospel community who have truly walked down the verse of rejoice with those who rejoice and grieve with those who grieve. 11 months after my daughter was born, we had our son Isaiah, our rainbow baby. We chose the name Isaiah because it means God is my salvation and he has helped restore our faith in God. It took me a year to be able to say it is well with what happened to her and for God to be able to help me view her short life as a miracle. It was a miracle that she breathed on her own, that she had a first cry, that we made it to full term, that she grew consistently every single week when she, even though she shouldn't have, she was never a stillborn, which that was a really high chance, and that she was completely healthy. And it's a miracle that I'll be able to see her one day. One of the first books I read after we lost our daughter was given to me by a friend. It's called Hope When It Hurts. It's a really good book on suffering. And at first I was really um, hesitant to read it because I was angry with God. And, you know, I would come to church and stuff. You know, you, you need to, but you didn't want to hear it. And this book spoke truth in my heart, and it helped with healing. And there's a quote I want to share with you from it. It says, God often acts contrary to how we think a good God should act. The answer we think we need seems logical and clear to our way of thinking. Yet God does not provide it. That is where faith comes in. Real faith isn't the belief that God will do a particular thing. Real faith is the conviction that God is good, no matter what he does and however he chooses to answer our prayers. God always has our best in mind, and he works to bring it about, no matter how it may look initially to our way of thinking. So I just want to encourage any of you who are going through loss or anything hard that he is not forsaking you. He loves you, and he's pursuing you, even if you don't want him to.
Father, I that you're teaching this community as a whole, which is don't shy away from the hard. Press into it. Press into the hard. Seek your face in the hard. Uh, God, Alicia's story is amazing. Teach us this morning how to write our perspectives. Um, it's hard to start the day off with tears, so please Keep us calm enough to hear from you and what you have for us. Um, God, thank you for the work that you're doing in our midst through the good and through the hard.